0: Welcome to Board Games Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 444, the last 10 best games of the year. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, friends, we are back. And we are back with one of the biggest episodes because it has the biggest games, our last 10. You know our last 10, it's our last 10 series because we've been around for now 10 plus years and we've accumulated a lot of episodes, played a lot of games, and we're going to take a look at the last 10, which has been some of the greatest and some of the not so greatest games of all time.
1: Heck yeah, heck yeah. So we're going to go back through, we're, we're actually, what we're going to kind of do is relitigate the, the oh, best no. games of the last 10 years. <laughs> so we for the last five years we've had a game of the year before that we kind of got cute with it so we've kind of gone back and pulled out from our various tournaments and top lists and everything and we have the last 10 games of the year that we have identified um and so we're going to take a look and see what came out that year maybe what's aged well what hasn't aged well if our game of the year has changed and if so why Ooh, and discuss it's kind of We've already gone over in the past, like, which of these years is the best year for games. But mm. from each of these years, what is the best game that came out? We're going to talk about that. Excellent.
0: Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun because have they aged well or not so yep. well?
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because some of these, like, at least for me, several of these have changed. We'll see if, it, if we share that opinion or mm, not, but it will be interesting to discuss. Have you played Distilled mm-hmm. yet? No, no. Okay. I actually have a copy. I tracked Ooh. one down, and it's it's a lot going on. Uh, and I have lots of games with a lot going on. With yes, is a preview for my at the table this week. <laughs> um, so, like between this and Hegemony, and the game I'm going to talk about today, it's many hours of learning. But no, I have not played it yet.
0: <laughs> okay, because that game where you're distilling liquors, and you dis- you distill them in different vats and so forth and so on and as they distill and once you open them to pour them out to bottles and to sell them and points and victory stuff and yada 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 you get these flavor cards and the flavor cards can be positive flavors or negative flavors so it reminds me of these games right we play these games (laughs) we own these games but then when you do a later opening this many years later are they as tasty are they as sweet or or did something get involved in the process over the last mm-hmm. several years that has kind of spoiled them? They're still fine, but maybe not of the bouquet that we're used to or we were used to back then, so it should be I, interesting.
1: I love this uh whiskey metaphor you just used for our show that's amazing. I did thank Let's you do it.
0: <laughs> 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 that's great excellent, so we have so much going on, and there's so much to tell you, and again. All these details will be coming up. One of the things that we wanted to talk about, because it is near and dear to our heart, is we're always trying to reach out to the community, get more people gaming, right? So the more people get gaming, the more games you get to the table. And that's such an amazing, amazing benefit. Over the years of playing tabletop gaming, we have, and I'm sure you have, noticed that there aren't as many girls and women in gaming, especially at the table. And, of course, designers and publishers and themes about, you know, women doing extraordinary things, which they do all the time. We wanted to support an initiative to help more girls and women get into gaming, get to the table, design, publish, do all those great things with our upcoming charity event. So we talked about this last week, and we'll be talking about this up until November 4th, where this event comes out. And hopefully it's awesome, and hopefully you're there. It's Tabletop Charity Game 2023. It's going to be in Fanwood, New Jersey. Full details are up on BoardGamersAnonymous.com. You'll see a whole list of all the different charity events that we've done over many years. There's actually more. It's just we haven't got them all up on the website (laughs) from the past 10 years. But this one here, Tabletop Charity Game 2023. Uh, We're working with our partners at Board Games for the Better. Uh, They've been great, and they've been supporting us to get local Girl Scout troops to be our VIPs. We're going to give them a great day of gaming. And we are going to raise money and support for the Girl Scout Troop 6000. This is a Girl Scout troop made up of Girl Scouts from all around New York City that are currently living in transitional housing situations, shelter situations. But they're part of Troop 6000 and they do everything else that Girl Scouts do. And we want to support them into getting them into gaming and to share their experiences and share some fun with them as well. So us, Board Games for the Better, and all of our partners and associates and organizations that are working with us are supporting these great goals. Board Games for the Better is doing a lot of outreach to publishers, companies, and designers to bring those games to the table. So if you're a publisher out there or a designer out there, um, hopefully you've been able to see Board Games for the Better. Hopefully they reached out to you. If they haven't, reach out to us because we want to get your games into the hands of these new gamers. And especially if you have games that were designed, published, or focus on a female lead character, that would be amazing because it really shows some proper representation in gaming. So whatever you have, we appreciate your support. And if you are in the area, At that event, we would love for you to join us. Uh, It's going to be a $10 donation to attend that day or $20 if you want to have a game table to sell, trade, buy games for other people. And it's just going to be a fun day of gaming events and programs. I think next week at this time, we will have a full list of events and programs for you in more details. But again, if you have any questions uh, or any interest, or you want to support or reach out to us, you can reach me, Chris. Hi, it's me, Chris. Chris at BoardGamersAnonymous.com. I know that's not a surprise as far as the email address is concerned, but Chris at BoardGamersAnonymous.com. And again, you can find all of this information, so much more. The best website for board gaming out there, guaranteed. Maybe, you know, board game geek is an exception here. Uh, mm-hmm. BoardGamersAnonymous.com. But beyond that, we're awesome. Tons of stuff out there. Check it out. All right, Anthony, so that's what's going on with us. What's going on with our industry? I think it's time to take a look back into our special report of Food Chain Magnet, special edition, what the heck is this going to cost report.
1: Whew, man. This is literally all we're talking about in the last like week and a half, two weeks, since they announced this. What are they going to charge us for this game? And so here's here's where we're coming from, right? Food Chain Magnet, the original version of this game, is... 120 dollars uh-huh. right you can get it for 89 if you get online. lucky if you get lucky yeah. if you get lucky right uh the ketchup mechanism and other ideas also 120 dollars <laughs> also can get that for about 89 at the low end if you get lucky <laughs> if you get lucky so the lowest possible price you can get these two for together because they don't come in one box two th- separate things is 178 dollars so, what do we think the special edition with all the upgrades is going to cost? A billion. Chris, what do you think? A billion. I think it's going to be a billion. Uh huh. Okay. Uh-huh. One yeah. billion dollars. Okay. One... So they only have to sell one, and they'll be good.
0: I, I, that's their plan. Yeah, I think it's like I, complete I... Doctor Evil. It's just going to be a <laughs> billion dollars, and that's that's all it is.
1: Oh man, uh, yeah, it's. I'm I'm not gonna buy it. Are you gonna buy it?
0: I, I I just want to know the price. I, I I'm I'm, the
1: price. I'm yeah. not sleeping.
0: I'm drinking. Uh, thankfully, it's seltzer, but I'm drinking. I'm drinking mm-hmm. heavily. I have a drinking problem with seltzer now. At this point, I just want to know the price here. I can't imagine the price. I can't conceive of the price. It's just I, I I don't know. Like you you mentioned the numbers there, and then if you take a look at the current page on GameFound, they tease again. There's no, there's no gameplay changes, which is odd. It's a little odd because, again, usually when there's an upgraded, deluxified version, there's usually something. It's a little bit like a little here, a little there, a little pick up here, there. Like, nope, game, change, game is the same. You're like, okay, got it, good. And they're like, how would you like all of these intensely pastel, candy-colored houses, buildings, and bright artwork and everything? And I'm like, sure, why wouldn't I want to play those things? (laughs) And at the same time, if you've ever played Food Chain Magnet, you know it's this intense, immense experience at the table, almost like nothing else. I mean, Splatter games are generally like that, but I think this game, because of the length and the complexity, but mostly because you can really screw other people hard in this Mm -hmm. game, and they have to stick around and they have to play the rest of it while they just like can't do anything. It's it's just bad. So I don't understand what the thought was here. The reason that these games aren't as graphically ornate is because they're not meant for that kind of wide-ranging general public audience. It's meant for people when they look at the game just like when you look at, you know, animals in nature, right? Like there's certain colors and patterns that let you know to back the heck off, right? Like, if that's not your thing, you should not be there. So when you look at Food Magnet, it is honestly, I think, the artwork and the graphic design is fantastic. I think the board is bland as heck. But also, if I'm walking past that table and I see that grid, paper, you know, cardboard art on the table, I know exactly what type of experience I'm in for. Now with all these funky, colorful kind of stuff, I, you know, a newbie might decide to sit down and play this. <laughs> and 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 let's be honest, right? Just like you have, you know, laws in place where, you know, liquor and drugs and other stuff can't be candy-coated, I think that this is going to be a tremendous mistake candy-coating one of the heaviest main... Mainstream Euro games out there. I'm like, this game is serious crunch. And I think the I think it all undermines this, plus the fact that they're like, this game plays, let's say, play with two to five serious gamers. Anthony, ready for this? Play with two to five serious gamers. I don't know what serious means. In two to four hours. <laughs> nope. It will take two to four hours to explain the game to a new gamer who hasn't played a Splatter game before.
1: I i mean, your first time through, you four hours. Easy. Easy. Five, five players? Yeah. Five I players. Mean, <laughs> the only way you're going to get it down is if everybody chooses the short game, which never happens. Mm-hmm. It never happens. Unless you, like, table talk your way into it. Yes. I... Uh, yeah man i don't know this is gonna be a weird one i'm i'm a little concerned i feel like this one could be hit with the you know i accidentally backed this and this is absolutely not for my group kind of sure. situation where yeah. this is one of the highest rated games on board game geek it's in the top 30 i think crazy i think it could drop a little bit i think it i think it's possible people back this game realize what it is i'm like oh i hate this sure and it could drop it um and because of that candy coating, like you said. I hope not. I love this game, but it's... But
0: what we're talking about here, for, for people who are not obsessively committed to the altar that is BGG and its top 100, is that we have speculated, theorized, researched, and spoke to our colleagues, and it seems like, and it's believable, again, depending on how you believe all this kind of stuff, is that certain games reach the top 100, or you know, get to number one because there's something about the game in which it, in the way in which it presents itself that keeps people away that would not normally like it. Right. So like Twilight Struggle, you look at the box, you know exactly what you're in for. You see Mm -hmm. the game on the table, you know exactly what you're in for. It's a two player game, super heavy, crunchy, historical, situational kind of game no casual or gateway gamer or even like a medium to heavy gamer. Like these are very heavy games. Like it's not to disparage anybody else, but like this is a different type of game in and of itself. This is not, this is like an 18 double X game. Like this is akin or parallel to an 18 double X game. Like there is gateway games, there's party games, there's deduction games, all kinds of, there's like, like euros, medium euros, even heavy euros. And then there's splatter games. And there's 18 double X. At least how I feel. So if you do have people who are bought this game, try to get this game to the table, and they're just not that kind of fan of this. Oof, I I think it's going to drop far lo- lower than you think.
1: Yeah. Well, I hope not. Again, it's a great game, but it's it's a very particular type of game for a very particular type of gamer.
0: No, I completely agree. But let's let's check back the board. Let's check back at the board. Do we have the price, Anthony? No. Okay. We will check back at the end of the show if we if we do have a price. Price yet, Anthony? No.
1: Nope.
0: Okay. All right. We'll move on until we see if, if we can get a price at a later point. So hopefully that price doesn't kill us all. <laughs> it's going to kill us all. <laughs> uh, good times. I mean, I love the game. I do love the game. It's been in my top 100, give or take, the year. And... I don't own it because I just wouldn't get it to the table because I don't have enough of that type of gamer. So, uh, yeah. In a perfect world, I would
1: certainly pick this up, but I, yeah, I mean, and I do own it. So I like, and they're saying zero gameplay changes. I'm like, well, I like what it looks like now. So I'm good. (laughs) It actually looks decent. The board's
0: terrible, but that's, that's the game. You know, it's like buying a Prius. Like it's, it's meant to look like that. The Prius. Well, no, I mean, that was built into the original design of the Prius. Like, it was meant to look, I mean, it's meant to look aerodynamic, right, to save on the, the fuel economy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was meant to look odd. Like, they purposely leaned into that to make it distinct. So when you look when you look at a splatter game, they are distinctive. And it's it's a splatter. You know a splatter a mile away. It's splatter, man. Yeah. All right. Well, Anthony, that's just a little bit about what's going on in the industry. We also do have um, some Patreon stuff coming up. We've got a new episode, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, just a few days ago, obviously, we had uh, Chris's most recent episode of uh, Kicking the Habit was up. so You can check that out for all the new games that went up last week. Um, I have my newest episode of my top 100 run through uh, is going up. Not exactly the same day as this, so either the day after or the day before. But if you're listening to this now, it's probably there. So you can go check that out. Um, That's in patreon.com slash BGA for anybody at the $5 tier or higher. You get access to all of our bonus episodes. We have over 50 bonus episodes in there. You can check out. Um, And we release one every week or two. So check them out. Excellent.
0: Yeah. And again, thank you all for your support. It allows us to do all these awesome things like the podcast and the charity event. All right. So I think that's what's going on with us. Let's talk about the games that we want to the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders my friend what do you have up for us this week
1: all right acquisition disorder for me this week is it's it's an odd one only in the sense that it's a game i hadn't really thought about in a while and then uh it's on kickstarter now so this game is called haggis and when i was introduced to the game it was already out of print and (laughs) i'm pretty sure i'd only played it online it's on board game arena um But it was like in that trick taking phase and I played it a bunch online during COVID because the the friends that I was playing trick taking games with, we got into them right before COVID. And then this is one of the ones that was online and it's one of the better ones. But it's been super out of print forever. uh, And the Portland Game Collective has managed to track down the rights from Sean Ross, the designer, and has brought it back. So this is a trick taking climbing game. Uh, and it's honestly, you look at it and it does nothing looks different or unique, right? There are five different suits or colors, um, with cards ranging from one to 10 and you are betting on what you think you can accomplish and kind of working your way up the ladder, right? It's, there's nothing unique from like the outside perspective, but what makes the game so interesting is that it really requires you to think carefully about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it, right? So you're trying to play out all of your cards first and you're capturing points by winning tricks. Um, But also like the bets are part of that as well. So it's like this kind of doubling up element of it. Uh, And so, yeah, I I'm, I'm excited for this. I only have a handful of trick taking games. I know I've talked about them recently a lot, but it, I, there aren't many that I'd like enough to actually own. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, I think I have two that I'm like legitimately love and like Texas showdown is one. Um, and then skull King is another. And then everything else. I'm like, that's fine. I would play that. And it's enjoyable, but I don't know if I would buy it. But Haggis is one where I'm like, I might pick that up. Right. Cause it has all these different types of combinations. You can play singles. You can play sets like multiple cards at the same thing. You can play sequences. You can play stairs where you have, sets of pairs effectively like two three two three two three of this of different suits you can play bombs which are three five seven nine of different colors um so it's a lot of different ways to kind of manage your hand and make it work and then play that out it's really hard to guess what other people are going to do but if you're paying attention and you play the game enough you can kind of get there so haggis is cool the one thing i will say is i think i like the old artwork better um, this new one is like almost, it's like stained glass. It's kind of mm-hmm. the aesthetic they went for. Yeah. Which I like fine, but the old one was like more of like the Celtic drawings and, sure, um, and like the different symbols. And it's like, it's more classical, almost calligraphal, calligraphic. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the rest of that is. but <laughs> stained glass is cool. I don't know that I love it, but the game is good. Um, the Kickstarter has a second game up there as well called trick takers. Uh, I don't really know enough about this one to say that I'm interested in it. I know that uh, it's from Japan and that's kind of like the hot spot of trick taking game development right now and has been for a few years is in Japan. They make a lot of trick taking games over there. I um, mean, this one has like unique characters to help you build those tricks. So it looks cool. But if I was to back this, I'd probably just pick up Haggis. Um, for nostalgia, if nothing else. So it's on Kickstarter now. It's up there, honestly, just for like two, three more days. So if you're hearing this now, you have like a couple days left. Uh, It has funded already, so you will get it. And Portland Game Collective has done a few games already. I've gotten, they've all showed up. So they are trustworthy and they do a good job with these upgrades. So check it out, Haggis, on Kickstarter right now. Nice. So it's good to see you.
0: Again, this is what Kickstarter should be. Yeah. And is typically not.
1: <laughs> no, it's pre-order central for big companies that don't need it.
0: Yes. It's funny, I was talking to someone the other night and they they mentioned as a publisher that more and more these days when people come up to their booths and you know, talk about their games, the newer newer generations into board gaming seem to believe or are under the impression, because of Kickstarter, because for Kickstarter is so pervasive, that you only get these modern hobby board games through crowdfunding. Yeah. And again, it's completely understandable because I think uh, Cool Stuff, Inc. just emptied out their collection of tabletop games. Yeah. Asmodee purchased Miniature Market. Uh, Game Nerds is still out there, and I'm sure there's one or two other good companies out there. But most of the most of the online stuff has closed shop. Obviously the friendly local game store is a rare and dwindling breed of opportunities to actually learn and see new games at the table because CCGs have eaten up you know every table space and counter and shelf out there these yep. days. So that makes sense. So like again as a publisher I know it's it must be a challenge because you're fighting against the marketing Of Kickstarter, but also new people coming into the industry believe that the only way they they get the best games or the newest games, more times than not, is they have to go to Kickstarter. So, like, now you have people who want to get involved in the industry, investing money out there,
1: and it just sits. It's, yeah, it sucks because it's done so much good for the hobby. Like, a lot of the best games, we're going to talk about a lot of these games today, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't exist without Kickstarter. But at the same time, there's so many companies that take advantage of that system it's, and yeah. like weaponize it effectively against us yes. with the FOMO and everything else. You're like, it's gross. And uh, it's really hard to say I'm pro Kickstarter or I'm anti Kickstarter because it's really like how people use it. But sure. I really liked the days when they're like, oh, this game's coming out. It's going to hit the stores, pre-order it, go pick it up when yeah. it's ready. I'm Like, great. And I know I'm not missing anything. I have the same game as everybody else. We all have it at the same time and we can play it immediately. Yeah, this is fun, you know, and we don't really get that anymore. We get stuff that shows up in the mail three years later and you're like, oh, I backed this. Oh, I got to learn this now. <laughs> oh, I I backed. I'll talk about it later. I backed Voidfall. I don't have anybody to play this with now. OK, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but when I paid for it, I did. So it, it's just yes. yeah, it's it's a tough situation.
0: Yeah, it's a it's it really has radically changed the industry not necessarily for better or worse but has certainly radically changed the industry but again back in the day in this in the haggis game here especially this is where it works really well and this is where it needs to be championed and that's why i do kick in the habit because the vast majority of the games that i cover are first-time designers and that's what's wonderful and wondrous about it because it does support people that normally couldn't get something like this out on the other hand most of the oxygen has been, you know, sucked out because of so and so giant company and so and th- so 3,000 miniatures and things that you will never play with or things that have not been game tested and so forth and so on. So, right. yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> All right. Well, one of the many Kickstarters, Game Found, and other things that I've been talking about on our Patreon episode, uh, one of them I want to let you know about because it's odd and interesting and also a first time designer is Mycelia, the strategic mushroom game. A dynamic competition for space and resources to create your own mushroom kingdom. Now, the Mycelium and the Mycelium network um, are the unseen parts of mushrooms. These are the long threads hidden beneath the forest floor that they're, they're the basically the roots of the mushrooms. And they act as oh, I guess a lot of things, right? They're, they're a network in which they communicate you know, over vast, and I mean vast, I mean like largest organiza- organisms on the planet. This is part of that. And how they communicate to each other, how they communicate to trees, how they uh, are a bridge for, I just recently learned this, how certain trees are evergreens, so they really, they draw nutrients and stuff during the winter more than the summer because you have these other big th- you know leafy trees they draw a lot of nutrients during the summer and spring when they're when their leaves are out, so these trees actually exchange resources, and the mycelium network takes takes ten percent you know for themselves but
1: <laughs> it's
0: an amazing wondrous idea that there's living networks underneath our feet and throughout the planet, and the trees are communicating with themselves and others and plants and these mushroom organizations under the ground that you never I just it blows my mind. And again, it's also been used on the recent Star Trek Discovery series. That was a thing. Spore drive, warp drive, spore drive, which is a War thing. Spore drive, yeah. I mean, who knew that was a thing? And it's a huge thing, and it's awesome. And now they're making board games, Anthony. This is the new pirates. This is the new pirates slash Mushrooms? Mushrooms are the new pirates? Well, I mean, think of The Last of Us, right? That's mushroom based. Yeah, that's mushrooms, <laughs> yeah. What mushroom zombie. Think about but, it? See, that's what it was. Everyone was into zombies, and then they were like, hmm, the next thing, right? These marketing people were like, mushrooms. and like, you're crazy. Like, no, no, we'll do a transition, right? Now it's mushroom-based zombies, and then eventually it's mushrooms. Just mushrooms. <laughs> so this is hitting board gaming. Uh, again, and Elizabeth Hargrave is coming out with a, a mushroom game herself not too long from now. So that's also going to be up and available. So there you go. Two games right there. That's not many more. So. This game itself is an interesting light euro and it's it's really it's a gorgeous some gorgeous artwork because again who would think mushrooms like that's something I want to look at that's something I want gorgeous artwork gorgeous artwork here really smart game design as far as like the graphic design is concerned because you're using these different triangles to set up the land in which the the network spreads across and then as it spreads throughout the land you have opportunity to pick up resources. So you have like your mother mushroom, which is your large disk that, you know, expands and reaches out across this network that you and the other players are creating. And as it does so, you'll you'll be able to put out more and more tiles. Now, how you put the tiles out, how you match the symbols, what bugs and other resources become available, you'll be able to actually fruit. You'll be able to actually expend spores to grow more mushrooms on the board, uh, to add to your own particular tableau. And then as you pick up spores, they could also be taken away by other people. But again, your idea is to accumulate as much as possible and then those spores get shifted on the board based upon the wind dye. Again, this is incredibly dynamic. On top of which, once your mushroom, you know, has reached its kind of limit, it actually decays and then becomes part of the network and you gain a bonus ability for that. So it, it, it's, it's amazing and weird and beautiful that this is a game that is about something that is so essential to our existence on this planet that we never knew. And now you can discover through this board game, which is something that is so wondrous about our hobby that like, hey, I don't know what this thing is. I don't know what it means. I don't know how it operates. Cool. Here, play the board game. Oh, I get it now. It's fun, it's artistic, it's challenging and it's it's really it's an amazing looking game. So, it's something definitely to check out. It's on Kickstarter and you'll have until Sunday, October 8th, 2023 to pick it up.
1: Mushrooms.
0: I know. That's all I got. Looks cool.
1: <laughs> well, all right, how about
0: this? The standard edition for the game is $49. So, that's not pretty, bad. Not bad. Now they have Not deluxe rooms. editions that I won't get into because it gets it obviously gets very expensive. So yeah. But again, <laughs> prices being what prices are, who knows? And again, let me check back with you, Anthony. Do, do we have a price on Food Chain Magnet Upgrade?
1: Not yet, sir. Ah damn it.
0: All right. Well, if you want to go super fancy with this to the point where everything is made out of wood, including a wood box, you could back it
1: for seven hundred and thirty one dollars. Oh my god.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Forty one people. 41 people have done it. I don't, I don't know Gross. why, but yes, it's, it's currently up there. So, first-time designer, check it out. Check it out. Again, check out your first-time designers. They deserve your respect and your interest. Don't necessarily have to back it, but definitely check it out. Yeah. All right, Anthony, that's everything that we want to get to the table. Let's talk about things that did hit the table. We'll let people know if those games are a buy, and they should run out and pick those games up, even if they are a billion dollars. Or if mm-hmm. those games are a play, and they should sit down with them because, you know, it's a first-time designer and you want to check it out. Or if those games are a dodge and you should avoid them because, let's be honest, they're a billion dollars. Or if those games are the dread burn and then, like, just let them decay and become the part of the mycelium network. So, Anthony, what did you play this week? Or get to the table, or the mycelium network?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it might as well be mycelium network with what I was messing with this week. Um, I mentioned last week, then I got in Voidfall, like, that Friday. We recorded Sunday night, and uh, that was my whole weekend, was punching it and setting it up. Uh, And I spent about a week learning how to play Mm it-ish, and now I've gone through it a little bit. And I'm not ready to give it a score, because this game is ridiculously complicated! What? I know, Mind Clash games, right? Who knew? I didn't know. (laughs) Why did I back this? No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm actually having fun with it. But So here's the thing about Voidfall and I think this is the main reason why it is so complicated is they've designed a system that works for competitive, cooperative and solo play, which we sometimes see in games where they're like, it does everything. And you're like, no, it doesn't. It does one thing and two other things kind of crappy. Um, I, I can't tell if the the competitive version of this game is great, but I will say that the t- tutorial that they put you through, which is decent, requires you to play through the competitive rules and from what I can see and how it functions and how it flows I'm like it seems pretty solid and then playing through the cooperative version which is also the solo version um I was like this also seems pretty solid now where I don't have like a comprehensive view here so I can't this is a reason why I'm not saying this game is great and you should go buy it is a I haven't played with real people and that's important <laughs> for a lot of reasons right um This is a 4X game where you are out exploring various systems and you need to be able to interact with other people and fight them. Um, And two, the scenario book gives you, like I don't have the number in front of me, it's like 50 or 60 different scenarios across the three different play styles. And I've been through like two and a half of these. So it's really difficult to say definitively, oh yeah, this is great. But what I will say is... It's more intuitive than it seems based on the rule book. And once you actually get through everything and kind of get it starts to flow a little bit, like second playthrough and all the iconography starts to make sense. There's a lot of very cool stuff here. And it flows very smoothly and interestingly in a way that I don't think a like a Mind Clash game has done in a while.
0: Mm.
1: Right. It gives me like almost tricarion vibes in terms of just like the flow of things making sense wow. thematically and okay. interestingly um now mechanically i'm not going to run through all the rules for this because it would take an hour and we don't have time for that but what i will say is the rule books are not great to learn the game Ooh, that's in like, fact they're borderline <laughs> terrible to learn the game and the reason why is they have split it up into three different books so you have the rule book itself a glossary with a list of like everything that you'll actually interact with and then a scenario guide that also has your setup in it and the tutorials in it and then for each section of any of those they've broken it down by here's the base rules that are always the same so as you're reading it here's all the rules that are always the same and then in blue this is the co-op and solo stuff and in red here's the competitive stuff and then if you have this (laughs) icon it means ignore these rules for the tutorial and if you have this icon it means ignore these rules in the tutorial until you get to round two like I read through it and I was like, I do not understand how to play this game. Now, what I will say is, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, Mind Clash partnered with Paul Grogan and he made a video on his Gaming Rules channel mm-hmm. that is very good. So, watch that because if you watch that, you have like a ninety percent baseline, and then the rulebook suddenly makes sense ah. because you understand all the things it's trying to tell you. So. I tried to go through the rule book. It's like two days. And I was like, what the heck are you trying to tell me? Like, I'm like bumbling my <laughs> way through turns. And was, and there, there's a, a legit menu of iconography that is four full pages, like 150 different icons. So as you're every action you take in the first time you play, you're like, wait, hold on. What does that mean? Hold on. Page two. No, page three. No, page four. There it is. OK. Oh, OK. Move the corruption. Got it like it's ridiculous um so the game is just it's and i don't know what they could have done differently because it is that it is a lot there's a lot going on here um but the the video is very fantastic like i don't know how he did it but grogan he made a really good video it's an hour and two minutes which is long for a rule video but not as long as i would have thought based on trying to read through these and once you've read that you can go through and kind of piecemeal together the rest of the rules and it doesn't take forever so Voidfall for me so far has been like this weird convoluted almost like out of body experience trying to like mesh together what the rules are and what I'm supposed to be doing but like last night I stayed up to like one o'clock in the morning kind of just like playing through and like running against the the void Voidfall, the void born sorry and like, clearing out the galaxy space. And this was just, like, the tutorial, and I'm like, this is actually really fun. I really enjoy this a lot, so... um, And the reason why, and here's the one bit of rules I'll get into, is there's only three rounds in the game, but in each round, there's a certain number of turns based on an event card. Like, you place an event card out, and it will tell you how many turns you're going to get. And it's it seems to be between three and five. So you don't always know how many turns you're gonna have which is really cool right so you can't like super plan out like oh we're gonna have nine turns in the game like well you could have between nine and 15 turns in the game it depends on what cards come out um and then on each of those turns you're gonna take a card from your hand and you're gonna play it and you're gonna choose two of the actions on the card there's three actions on every card and then there's various ways to like level that up and take like i'm gonna take the third action or i'm gonna take this extra agenda action um but The hand of cards is available to you in full at the start of each of those rounds. So you have nine actions, nine sets of actions to choose from on your turn. And then you trying to like piecemeal them together. So you're like, okay, there's five turns in this round. I want to accomplish this by the end of the round because that's my scoring agenda. So I need to make sure that I can invade over here. But before I can invade over there, I have to level up my fleet. Before I can level up my fleet, I have to make sure i have these resources available so what order am i going to play these cards in right and then again i'm not playing competitively but if you're playing competitively on top of that you're like okay but if they invade then i gotta worry about that so i gotta make sure this is upgraded enough so maybe i upgrade the fleet first even though it's less efficient just to make sure i'm safe uh it's it's very good so I will say I'm enjoying it. I'm going to keep playing it. I'll probably spend another week or so on this. I'm going out of town the next week, so I got to get this done. <laughs> like Be be comfortable and done with what I'm doing um, by next weekend. So next time we talk, I will have, if nothing else, a solo review for you. Um, but I will say up front, like it's very good. I'm happy so far with my purchase. It's not a convoluted mess that I thought it would be. A lot of it is becoming very intuitive once I know the rules. Uh, and I have gotten sucked into a couple games now, which is always a good sign. Not just by checking my watch. Like I got to get to bed soon. Just right? <laughs> like, no, no, this is fun. I'm going to keep going until I fall asleep. So uh, Voidfall, good experience so far. We'll see what it turns into. And yeah, hopefully I can get it to the table with other people soon too. So here's the question that I have. And maybe this could be just, maybe this is a thing
0: or not a thing. So there's multiple game modes on top of having asymmetric factions. Yeah. There's a competitive game mode. There's a cooperative game mode. Yeah. There's a solo game mode. And then with the solo game mode, there's multiple scenarios and multiple map setups.
1: There's multiple scenarios and map setups for all three game modes. Okay. And then there's like a ton of different asymmetric factions on top of that. 14 factions. Okay yeah so it's, it's comparable it's not quite the twilight imperium which has 17 but it's close
0: but is it is the rule book and is the rule book in the game itself a challenge more of a challenge than it needed to be because it's competitive cooperative and solo
1: i think so i think that's the main issue and so here's the thing though most games like this and turkey games in general they'll give you the rule book for the competitive rules and then there'll be a whole separate rule book for the solo rules and the co- the cooperative stuff that's how turchy usually does it um and then when you read if you just read that solo rule book first it would make no sense you have to read the entire competitive yeah. rule book and pretty much multi-hand it to learn the basics and then learn the solo and it's a big barrier and a lot of people don't want to do it so i think what they were trying to do is no no just read the parts that are relevant for you and it'll make sense And maybe it's just me, but like, I need to know how the whole game works before I can know how to change the elements of it. So I almost prefer the old method, even though it takes a little longer, because it's just this was not intuitive to me. And I've read some people online said that they really like it. So I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but um, I'm not even giving it as a knock on the game, because as I go back through it, I'm like, it's all here. The rules are all here. They're Mm -hmm. well written. When I have to look up a rule, it's clear what I'm supposed to do. It's a well written rule book. It's just 60, 70 pages across three different books. Or I'm yeah. like, what am I doing? This is a lot. Where am I finding this stuff? Um, and that's just the complexity of a Mind Clash game, I think. Yeah, I, I've
0: always loved Mind Clash because they take big swings. And I have a handful of games, not many, less than five for sure, where the game does competitive and cooperative. They're a little bit older okay. games, but now the solo mode is almost like a, a given in Turtsy is obviously everywhere because he's, he's an AI. Yeah. But maybe they would have been better off separating the games, like coming out with three separate games just to kind of make it more consumable. Because I think this is a problem that a lot of people have is, and you mentioned this with the Foo uh, chain, chain Magnet, you get the game, you get it home, it's Kickstarter. And like now, you have to dive into like an endless amount of things because the Kickstarter tried it to offer literally everything. Yeah. Right? They could have offered a cooperative version of this later on because you. I'm assuming you're going to want to play, play competitive. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that's the general gist of like what people are there to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like here's the thing: the the way I look at this is the base game is competitive. The stuff that makes it cooperative is extra. Yeah. Like there's an extra board, there's extra decks of cards. There's like, it's almost, it's not an AI really, but it's like these crisis things that come out and, and kind of guide the thing you're trying to face. So it feels like an expansion, a cooperative expansion mm-hmm. that you're layering on top of the game. And so I almost wish they had packaged it like that. Yeah. And I know they want mine clash. Is up a big on like, everything goes in the same box this is how we do it. <laughs> and I appreciate that because it's clear what you're getting and it's not a bunch of weird Kickstarter nonsense. But the flip side is that is I think if you were a competitive gamer and had no interest in the co-op solo stuff, this would be very frustrating. Yes. Because like, what is all this extra stuff? I don't need it. Why did I pay for it? And now I got to like skim through the rules and like skip all this random stuff that I don't care about. I could see that being very frustrating. I do care because I want to know both sets of rules. So I was like, it's fine. I just can't absorb both at the same time. And that's where my challenge came in. But I don't know. I don't know what the solution is for that. I I think there's a really, really good game here. And I think it's just like the barrier to entry is really high. And it I, worries me a little because I think a lot of people will be scared away when the game itself is, like a lot of Mind Clash games, not actually quite as complex as it seems. Mm-hmm.
0: I wish they would have split it up in, into t- at least two games, if not three. I think it would have been cheaper and you could have picked what version you know, that you liked. And again, we've had a lot of games like this where there's spiritual successors or other versions of the games that come out. I mean, like CO2, you know, that has that kind of competitive cooperative thing. But one last question, I think. The co-op mode versus the solo mode, are they different games? Or is it just one person versus multiple people at the table?
1: There's a couple small tweaks between co-op and solo. Um, The scenarios are different. Gotcha. it's the big thing
0: um okay
1: but ex- like the main the main thing that's different between competitive and co-op is the same for solo like the the crisis board
0: yeah i'm i'm still very excited to play this it was it seemed like again with mind clash it was just a little too much and, and some of their recent games seemed like a little too much but yeah i you know i'm love the artwork you know too uh Buckle is the designer here who's done Imperium, all those different classics and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to play. Hopefully hope we get to the table pretty soon. So, yeah. Anthony, I have the exact opposite for you as far as this is going to be a very short review <laughs> versus a very long one. Ironically, this game probably has as much, if not way more stuff, which is really impossible to even think to say. I got to play Masters of the Universe, the board game. Clash for Eternia. If you are a long time, and I mean long time listener, we actually did this as like a a premise or a a funny thing that we did at the beginning of the episode, or I did at the beginning of the episode about He-Man and his little speech that he gives at the beginning of the episode (laughs) way back in the day. That is a a deep cut as far as our episodes are concerned. Well, they listened. It took them long enough, but they actually made a board game about He-Man. From Simon because Simon knows miniatures, so this was on Kickstarter. It got back to backers. Uh, all the backers paid a lot of money for all the plastic that came along this game. I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not going to go into the He-Man universe. It's it's He-Man. He's a big guy with a sword. He's fighting Skeletor, and you probably know who he is either from the cartoon, the action figures, the really cheesy. Movie with Dolph Lundgren or the memes. There's memes now. There's He-Man memes. There's Skeletor memes. But what was interesting to me about this game? When obviously I knew about He-Man. I grew up around that period. It was still a little too young for me, but like this was the thing. I was familiar with the whole thing. Familiar with the IP. Not so much interested in in dropping you know four hundred dollars for this game, give or take. But I I was interested because it was utilizing the one versus many gameplay mechanic that we had seen in Conan the Barbarian, which I thought was a great mechanic. And then it was also carried on, I guess, to Batman, which seemed like a muddled mess, Anthony, right? If I remember.
1: Yes, a big old muddled mess. Also had the nonsense with competitive cooperative solo play all (laughs) mashed together in the same rule book.
0: So... This version, this CMON version, has seemed to see the light and recognize that people love this IP, but they love the game for the IP, and they instituted that one versus many mechanic with that programming board and with literally every—I'm assuming here—every miniature that ever came out, every character that ever came out from the He-Man universe. Let me talk about the actual gameplay. So, you could. What's really good about this also is. The good guys can play as the main board. So like one versus many, one person will control a main deck, a main board, three heroes, and all these extra actions that they can they can play utilizing uh, these little cubes that come onto the board. But also the bad guys could do that. So typically when you play these kind of games, the bad guys play like the, the dungeon master and plays all the characters on the board and the heroes come in. But you can actually play it both ways, which is great. So all of the good people and the bad people they, they have cards that allow themselves to play in either uh, mode. So the game is fairly simple. It, each game is a single scenario, period. There's no legacy. There's no ongoing campaign. You sit down. You pick your character, good or evil. Characters are, are great. They have somewhat thematic play styles to their you know actual character on the show or it's just fun. You decide what you're gonna play based on the scenario. You pick your particular character. And again, if you're if you're the one, you get to pick three characters to play against the other team. You set up this, you set up the land. If you back the normal version, you get all the cardboard. If you back the advanced version, you've got a lot of plastic to kind of set up on the game board. And then the tracker board allows you as the single player versus many to both put your action cards across a row that will activate at certain times, one at a time, and the later you go in that particular round, the more power cubes you're gonna get to either activate people on the big board or activate your individual character. So once you have your heroes and villains set up there, and again, there is a free-for-all free, free for all mode, which is also pretty cool that they give you something and it doesn't radically change the gameplay, it's just you just play as a character so you play your cards out there you manage your health on the main board and then you get a chance to play the game itself is fairly simple if it's your card that flips up because you planned it that way you get to do a thing so it's the activation phase uh the activation phase gives you a a couple of different options they're all pretty simple you're going to take two actions per turn you can gain power uh so you have all your power that you're going to get onto your board you're going to be able to arrange the cubes because you played your card in a certain spot and then by performing actions you can attack duh uh, there's range there is a melee there's line of sight involved but it's not crazy line of sight it's all hexed there's interact there's some tokens on the board that you have to like quote unquote interact with in order to do a thing or to achieve a thing you can move a character Three spaces. Again, some characters have special abilities, but primarily it's three spaces. You can use a particular skill. And then there's bonus actions that you'll be able to utilize based upon your power cubes. You get to use one of, one each of those per turn. And again, that's pretty cool. So basically you're moving, you're attacking, you're using your special actions or using your special actions as attack actions in order to defeat the other side. The scenario will define what the goals are for that particular round, so it's not just, like, kill the other characters and that's it. When your character gets knocked out, you respawn. It was a kid's show. It's fine. (laughs) Just go along with it. Uh, There's a lot of minions that come along with the game, so you do get a lot of cannon fodder if you want to just have fun running around with a giant sword and yelling at the top of your lungs. And throughout the game, as the game becomes more intense because people get knocked out, you gain additional skills. Additional skills are great because, again, they're very thematic, and they give you an opportunity to use your power cubes in different settings. That's it. It's Plastic Miniatures Tactical Skirmish Game. Got to play recently on Saturday, got to play it two more times, got to see some of the scenarios, play different characters, play as the controller, plays as, as the character. It's cool. Like, it's, I don't know, like, it's He-Man. If you're on board for He-Man and you got a bunch of bucks burning a hole in your pocket, this is certainly for you. Everyone else, I don't know. Like, it is a clean and simple tactical skirmish game, but it doesn't really offer any depth. I don't know if you want any depth from a He-Man game, but it doesn't offer it. It offers different scenarios, which, again, are cool because you get to play them. takes a couple hours to play, but then you're done. And it's not something you have to necessarily struggle through multiple levels of a campaign. So I'm going to give it a play. I don't think it had enough to give it a buy. The only way I, would even, I I could even see someone buying this, again, if you were a big fan of the IP. If you're a big fan of the IP, the gameplay's fine. There's not much complexity to it. But there is literally every plastic character if you backed all that additional stuff. Masters of the Universe, the board game from Simon gets
1: a play. Hey, a play's not bad. I, I didn't think this would be good at all. So
0: <laughs> yeah, I was worried after Batman that they had long. You know, Conan came out and then they learned the wrong lesson. They're like, not only let's add every character, let's add every rule. So that overcomplicated Conan, and then this kind of underdid it. But it's but considering it's He Man, I'm fine with that. It like it works. It it's not a it's it's not a tactical skirmish game that I particularly would ask to come to the table or want to play, but it plays fine. It's fine. There's nothing. It's it they. It's a very streamlined system, and the characters. If you remember the characters, it plays pretty thematic as far as games like that goes. That's cool. Yeah. All right. So that's everything that hit the table this week, Anthony. Let's talk about our feature review. Our feature review this week, of course, is the Last Ten the best games of the year for the last 10 years.
1: We've been around for 10 years. Is that, is that actually it's, it's, that's what we've been telling people. Oh, so. <laughs> when did that happen? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, like a month and a half ago. Oh my God. <laughs> Old now. <laughs> we play a lot of games. We've seen things, man. We've seen yeah. things. We can't unsee we the things. They have this cell in our spreadsheet. I'm like, I've played all of these. That's a lot of my life. <laughs> well played, my friend. Well played. Yeah. All right. Existential corner over. Uh, Let's look at the last <laughs> last 10 years. Best games of the year. Um, So we're going to start with the most recent year because Two- this is the easiest, I think, because I, I doubt t- we've changed our mind. 2023? Not yet, right? No, no, no. We, we don't know yet. What was the best oh. game of 2023? I don't know. I, I i might <laughs> do you what is it
0: i, I have I, i'm not gonna no, i'm not gonna I don't know what it is.
1: tell me no 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 we can't tell people Ah, come on no nah, good go i'm ahead, drawing a blank ahead. i don't know what's good this year um no, no, no. you do your thing 2022 we do know that That's one a year we named the best game of the year last year as war of the ring the card game mm-hmm. so do you think that will have changed in the last nine months there has been a a lot, I think 2022, it's going
0: to, I think it's not, it's not been that long, but it, it reminds me of the year that nothing radically heavy came out. Like there mm-hmm. was good games, but it wasn't a heavy, crunchy year. No. And no. I remember, I remember all the award categories. There wasn't something out there that just like, hey, this is big. This is great. Or there's like a whole bunch of stuff that you're going to have. Nope. Nope, there was not. There was a lot of good games. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it didn't. I I mean, should we go through the list here?
1: Yeah, yeah. So okay. So what I did is I went through the top thousand or so, and mm-hmm. board game geek and pulled games out that I think speak to us personally. If sure. you're listening to this and you're like, what about X game that came out in 2021? I'm like, well, we didn't like it. So there you go.
0: <laughs> there you go. We, we, we have to block out some things. Otherwise, we, you know, just can't
1: go. Yeah, on this more. episode will be 18 hours long. Um, yeah. So these were like games that we have played and considered. Uh, Heat pedal to the metal. Just reviewed it. Just reviewed. It's
0: on the t- the board game geeks hotness. So you're welcome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was all us. Uh, <laughs> guess. Carnegie. Yes? Which is probably the best heavy Euro of the year. Yes. Um them. Which was good. T game. Which was surprisingly good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of chits, but good. Yep. Um Acropolis, nominated for a bunch of awards. It was abstracty
0: to like the the hilt, but it played nice and clean. Nice, clean, sharp.
1: Yeah. Uh Mosaic. Great Civ game. Uh it's a game I, I i know like it's a game <laughs> it's a game uh,
0: i love civ games uh it it's a thing it's a conversation it's a conversation uh, okay, piece okay
1: okay yeah there you go. um sky mines is in there it's in the top 1000 but it is also sure. a remake of mombasa which, excellent thank you at a print of course um marrakesh <laughs> uh which is a felled game that i think you liked a lot more than i did
0: well, I, to be fair, I had to like drop like four or five hundred dollars in order to get a chance to, to, to get that to the table. So buyer's, but buyer's bias there. <laughs> I it I would say it was buyer's bias, but I think I I I'm a man who likes cube towers. Sure. And once you once you get a sense of the game itself, it's a fairly straightforward game. Yeah. It it's almost like Mario Party in a way where there's looks like different things you can do
1: on the on the map kind of thing. Yeah, which is very felt. So yeah, it's um, a felt thing. Revive was very hot coming out of Essen. I've played it. It didn't really click with me as much as I was hope. Same. Uh, Planet Unknown, nominated for the Kenner Spiel from Adam's Apple Games. Big sprawling kind of a space game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Flamecraft, super light, but people were pretty hot on this one. Won a bunch it's of awards. dragons. Dragons, man. Cute dragons. Adorable, like crazy artwork. So Not AI cute. artwork, people. No, not AI. Or, well, I hope not. Uh, certainly not. Uh, Cat in the Box. Nice. Nice trick-taking. More existential philosophical trick-taking
0: game. <laughs> it's both a, a good game and a bad game. There you go. At the same time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, you, if you haven't played it, you wouldn't know. That's all you have to say. There you go. Uh, Mind Bug. Deceptively simple, but some mm-hmm. more depth there than you think. for uh, Romantic, based on the video game, won the Spiel des Jahres this year not surprised beer and bread one of the better two-player only games i've played in a while
0: yeah that was a surprise i was really surprised by that i liked it a lot
1: yeah and then atiwa i put this on here myself i know you didn't love it but i like this bat game a lot i picked it up i played it a bunch
0: to be fair you're a very big batman fan so I'm not i surprised. love me some batman
1: and i love yeah, just was... bats comma man
0: you're you're a little biased
1: batman i am yeah so would you say it changed war during the card game any of these surpassed that for you
0: no it did not and and i think my big takeaway was certainly gen con where there was all of these games available to play and i think you almost had to drag me kicking and screaming away from the tournament because i just wanted to play more war of the ring the card game
1: i know yeah there weren't enough people there we only got a couple rounds in um i'm with you this is still my my number one from last year too
0: yeah and regardless whether or not you're a lord of the rings fan it just it plays so well and it has been a very long time a very long time and there's very few games that have like that team mechanic where you're playing with a team versus another team and i just enjoyed the heck out of that that was really such a fun game because usually when you play games you're like you're on your own like it's your own experience but like you know, it takes me way back to like the tissue day- days of like playing a game with an, you know, opponent and, and an ally trying to like get things straight somehow.
1: Yeah. All right. So 2022 holds strong. War of the Ring, the card game, still our game what? of the year. 2021, we picked Dominant Species Marine. Uh, a lot of good games came out that year. Uh, uh-huh. We had Arc Nova, Sleeping good. Gods. Okay, Cascadia, which was my personal game of the year. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition, which has a whole Big bunch fan. of subtext to it now. Which we keep that off <laughs> off, off the air. onk <laughs> Okay. chemet Blood yeah. and Sand. Very very good. We're glad to see it. Living Forest, Kennerpiel winner. Big surprise. Not not to us though. Final Girl. Excellent. Clash of Cultures, Monumental Edition. Yeah. Fine. Don't release the expansion. sure. <laughs> uh Bitoku, okay boom Cora, uh, uh-huh. yeah. rise of an empire and botanic Lighting. yeah a, a lot of
0: good games here a, a lot of good games uh i really i i probably was the only person out there oddly champion Korra rise of an empire oh, i think I, it's
1: i love this game yeah
0: clean simple fun to play i love the action selection mechanic that you know everyone gets to pick actions and they they play out in a certain thing and there's a chase I mean you're you're basically dealing off a board but you know it's great Clash of Cultures Monumental Edition I own Clash of Cultures I don't own Monumental Edition because I'm trying to get to the point where I'm either going to keep my base game or unload to get the Monumental Edition because the expansion is like a billion dollars and locked in a crate somewhere you know with I don't know it's safe it's safe somewhere, right next to the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, yeah, Living, Living Forest is good. It's Kemet, Blood and Santa. I think that's the one, that's one of the games, certainly, that I will remember, because I've loved Kemet, and I love the fact that they've refined it down to an Essential Edition. And it's a great game. Ankh is yeah. just a lot. Ares Edition, I'm sorry, Ares Expedition is... For me, again, I know This is a hot take. A better version of Terraforming Mars? I didn't say that out loud. Didn't say that out loud. And I know everyone loves Ark Nova. Sleeping Gods was a little... yeah, A little a little too little... It wasn't... I was hoping for more for that. But uh, a Dominant Species Marine uh, stays my number one game for 2021. It just... It does everything.
1: Yeah, I think... So... In 2021, my game of the year was Cascadia. It still is. It's still mm-hmm. my favorite game from that year. Um, Dominant Species Marine was my number two. I think it could potentially drop to number three behind Kemet, because I've played Kemet a lot since then, and I have not played mm-hmm. Dominant Species Marine enough. But I think the average between us, it's still Dominant Species Marine. Yeah. Uh, Cascadia was always number one for me. It's just a game you'd never played, so it didn't make yeah. it to the top for the show. Well,
0: also Dominant Species Marine, again, was a refinement of Dominant yeah. Species and a really meaningful way uh yeah, and rest yeah. in peace. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. I, I, and made it much more then,
1: accessible as a game because it's so much shorter.
0: <laughs> it's so much shorter, it's it's more straightforward. It, it allows you to have diversity at the table and it's just it's great. Yeah. And I think in in many years this would be number and it, it was someone's number one of, you know, top one hundred, oh. but you know. Uh yeah, yeah Dom Spacious <laughs> Marine. Yeah. Yep.
1: No, great game. Happy to keep that there. Uh all right, number t- oh not number. The year 2020.
0: Wow, that'd be a lot of games.
1: Yeah, no, it's yeah. This is the year. This is the year everything broke. Um, so uh, we picked on Mars. This game came out in January that year, so it's interesting that at the end of the year, this is still our number one game of the year. But it's also a year in which we didn't play a lot of games with other people because reasons.
0: <laughs> Why, Anthony? Why? I don't know what happened. I blacked what happened? out. Happened? <laughs> I blacked out the whole year. I don't remember.
1: Um, so. Not a lot of games came out this year either because of the same reasons. So, sure, games that did come out that we kind of highlighted. Dune Imperium. Of course. Lost Ruins of Arnak. Excellent. Eclipse. Second Dawn of the Galaxy. Beautiful. Kanban EV. Excellent. Beyond the Sun. Love it. Micro Macro. Crime City. Cool. Own it. Marvel United. Own way too much of it. And Fort. Yes. Yeah, Own that as well. Yes. These are games that I think... Between us, we might own all of these. I yes. might own all. Of, I think I actually own all of these. That's sick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, on Mars versus all of these, I I will tell you, mine has changed. But where oh. are you at? Okay.
0: The we're not considering the expansion, right?
1: For On Mars, no, no. yeah, and, oh, okay, it had not come out yet.
0: So the expansion from On Mars makes On Mars better, in sure. my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cause again, when I, it took a couple of ran, it took a couple of gameplays to really understand what on Mars needed. Like what was the vibe of that? Yeah. Right. Cause, um, the expansion made it better for sure. <laughs> uh, I would say considering again, the amount, if I'm going to look at the amount of game tank gameplay time, I mean, mine has changed as well.
1: Ooh. Okay. We both changed. Interesting why don't you go first i know, I already know what yours is but go ahead yeah so for me it's lost ruins of arnak that shocker yeah and here's the thing is we we did on mars is our game of the year and i was very happy with that because i played it like mm-hmm. four or five times at the beginning of 2020 and i was like i love this game this is his best game i love it and then COVID happened and i didn't play it for the rest of the year um lost ruins of arnak came in towards the end of the year And I immediately fell in love with it. So much that it jumped into like the top 25 on my top 100. And it's still there. Mm -hmm. Love this game. And with the expansions, we have asymmetrical starting powers. We have the campaigns you can run through now. It's just such a fantastic game. And I'll even say of this list, I might like Kanban EV more now than On Mars as a Lacerda game. Just for the accessibility and the tweaks they made to that formula. I love On Mars still. But if you don't have that expansion in there, I'd probably rather play Kanban. I yeah I think for me, it's lost ruins um on Mars is still way up there. It's a great game. it just it does it has not gotten the table time to keep it at number one for me
0: yeah i think I think the expansion does bring it back, but again, we're not considering the expansion here. so as of year of two thousand twenty the the two things i look I look back at when I look at my type one hundred itself, I look at how many times does this game get to the table? And what kind of opportunities and experiences does it offer? And Dune Imperium Mm. got to the table a lot, yeah, by far more than I ever thought. Like I love Dune, but the IP is not the reason why I love this game. It's because it's it's a surprisingly crunchy worker placement game where you do have to do conversions, and yet you got the deck building as well. I have a problem not getting the certain cards that I need, but again. It plays really well, and it does get better with the expansions.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Great. So 2020, we got it wrong. How's that? (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah, Under uh, under review. Under duress. That was a tough year. It was. Uh, All right. 2019, we picked City of the Big Shoulders as our game of the year. Um, Mm -hmm. Other games that came out that year, Wingspan. Oh, my God. Not our game of the year. (laughs) Barrage. PAX Premier Second Edition, Uh Marvel Champions, the card game. Uh oh. Maracaibo. That's the thing. Lord of the Rings, Journeys in Middle Earth. Sure. Watergate. Yes. Marco Polo 2, Tiny Mm -hmm. Towns, Pipeline, The Magnificent, and Villagers. Mm. This was a weird year in that Wingspan came out in March, I think, or February. Mm-hmm. And just dominated the whole year. It's all anybody talked about. And then all sure. the rest of these games kind of just came out quietly in the background. Yes. And then like now, four years later, you look back, you're like, that's an okay year. That wasn't a bad year at all. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> well, also, big...
1: yeah, yeah. No, of the be. Big Shoulders is a good game. And, and but I look back at it now, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I think I like some of these other ones a little bit better. They just kind of like percolated and grew over time. Sure. Do you have a different number one here? I do, yeah, and I think everybody will know what it is based on how often I've talked about it over the years. <laughs> <laughs> Even people who don't listen to the podcast knows what it is. Yeah, no, it's it's like in my it's like my number three game of all time now. Like it's and it, it happens slowly over time because when it came out, I was like, actually, before it came out, I made fun of it. It's Marvel Champions, the card game. Mm-hmm. I made fun of this game. I was like, what are you doing? This is like cynical, you're just trying to cash in the art. You said the art wasn't great, and I was like, I agree. It's kind of it looked cheap. Mm-hmm. And then I played it, and I was like, it's pretty good. And I was like, okay, I'll get the next expansion when it comes out. And I was like, this is fine. This is fine. This is fine. And then like early 2020, I was like, actually, this is great. And now it's like, this is brilliant, and I love it, and I have all of it. So Marvel Champions is by far the game I played the most of these, and sure, it's still in my top five personally.
0: Yeah, going back, I have a I have two I have a lot of these games, give or take, around my top one hundred. One of these that's super, super high is because it's such an amazing game, and that's Watergate.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: The the reason why I would have a hard time putting that at number one is because it's a two player game and beyond what it does, which is amazing, it doesn't do anything else the game that would have been my number one after length of time and experience is Villagers. Mm. Villagers, for whatever reason, people just keep wanting to play that. And as a person who brought the game to game night, it's just a wonderful experience. It it offers a lot of opportunities, a lot of different ways to win and to play the game. Obviously, the expansion makes it better, but it got so much game time that year. And it it just, it was just, it was surprising. It was surprising. This was their first big game from sinister fish and it's just great. It's yeah. just weirdly great.
1: It's really good, yeah. All right, yeah, so 2019, a little bit of a shift there. And I remember when we did 2019, we we're like, I don't know, it's been a weird year. <laughs> um but I think we just needed the the time. A lot sure, of these sure. games came out at the end of the year too, which made it tough. Yeah. Uh, 2018, uh we chose Root as our game of mm-hmm. the year. This was a great year. So, oh yeah, looking back, we got Brass Birmingham. We got yeah Everdell, number one, number oh, one yeah. game of all time. Yeah, it came out that year. We got <laughs> Everdell. We got Underwater Cities. What? What? Quacks of Quedlinburg. Hayatwakan. <laughs> Obs- Obsession. Excellent. Rising Sun. I
0: love it. I know you don't, but I love
1: it. <laughs> I, I don't. Welcome to. <laughs> you love that. I don't. <laughs> yep. Carpe Diem, Smartphone, yeah. Sprawlopolis, smartphone. yeah, there's a couple here for me. Uh, Sprawlopolis, Keyforge, and Feudum. I love Feudum, yeah. So I, I'll, I'll tell you right now, Root is still up there for me. I, I would still consider it my favorite game of the year, but it's really close because there's like five others here that are in my top. This great. It's yeah. a great year. Same here. I think. I mean, Feudum's up there in my top twenty.
0: Smartphone Inc. Mm-hmm. is up there. Obsession is up there. Uh, as Anthony could tell you, I just bounced around and was playing and or teaching that game around the clock. So Ted's Walk-On is great. Quacks is amazing. Uh, yeah, my, I mean, Birmingham's great. Everdell's great. I mean, this is just, this is murderous Row here this year. Yeah. M- mine would change here. Yours change?
1: No. Uh, Root is still up there for me. It's my number okay. two of all time.
0: So one of my number one of all time in my top 100 uh give or take around that year was Underwater Cities. Yeah. It's gotten tremendous game. It's hit the table a ton. It offers so much complexity and so many different ways to kind of win, and I love that. And people love it. And it's it's a serious, serious competitor to Terraform and Mars. So yeah.
1: yeah. I think we would have had a very different discussion if that game had come out in the US earlier. Because sure. it, it hit here like late December. So we didn't play it till twenty nineteen. Uh, we I mean we played it at Pax, but we didn't play it like fully here until 2019. Sure. Um, but but yeah, it's such a good game. Yeah. All right. So many so many great games that year. Yeah, such it was a really good one. Um, 2017 also a solid year. Uh, Spirit Island was our top pick for the year. Uh, other games that came out that year though, Gloomhaven, little game you might have heard of, uh, eh, Twilight what? Imperium Four. Who? Where? Yeah, say what? Now? There's Gaia, four versions of it? Apparently. Uh. Gaia Project. Okay. Too Many Bones. Anachrony. Better. Lisboa. Mm-hmm. Clans oh. of Caledonia. Azul. Sagrada. Dinosaur oh. Island. Oof. Century Spice Road. And then some fun ones here. Bunny Kingdom. London. And Gentis.
0: Gentis, Nice. Yeah. A- another very good year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There was like a solid like. Three-year period there where I think we just got top 100 game after top 100 game. I mean, just like
0: like we just talked about 2018. There's no bad choice. 2017, really no bad choice. I don't... uh, Spirit Island's been either number one or in my top five. So, like, it's hard to say that I would switch off. But, I mean, my number one game was Spirit... One year has been Spirit Island and one year has been Lisboa. Yeah, so I guess given the choice, it would be Lisboa.
1: Yeah, I th- this one's tough for me too. Like I, I think I will stick with Spirit Island just because I played it the most. But sure, Twilight Imperium Four is still among my favorite gaming experiences. Of oh, time. sure, sure. Um, and like in 2018, which was again the next year, but I got this game to the table like six times that year, which for mm-hmm. this game is amazing. And it was just it was an event every time I would come home talking about it. My whole family. Oh would yeah, be like, what are you talking about? We don't care. But <laughs> it's so much fun, and, and there's other games on this list that are among my most played, like Clans of Caledonia. Played that game mm-hmm. a million times. Love that game. Yeah, but sure. Spirit Island is still way up there for me. Excellent. All right, 2016, which is the third year in this like three-year sprint of amazing games. Jeez. We chose Scythe. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was hotly contested, I think. Uh, sure. Because the other big game that came out that year was Terraforming Mars. Yeah. As well as. A bunch of other stuff, including Star Wars Rebellion, Great Western Trail, Feast for Odin, Arkham Horror LCG, Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition, Mechs vs. Minions, Inish, Vinos, Lorenzo Il Magnifico, Yokohama, Santorini, King Domino, First Class, Star Wars Destiny, Star Trek Ascendancy, Castles of Burgundy, the card game. There's like 20 more, but I stopped. <laughs> uh, well, man- yeah. yeah, I'll mention...
0: I'll mention Castles of Burgundy, the card game. I I thought was fantastic. Uh, Star Trek Ascendancy is the best Star Trek game out there. Fleet Captains is probably number two. And just as far as honorable mentions are concerned, like there's a lot of great games this year. That year, Mm -hmm. do you have a difference? Do you have a change? Do you have a shift?
1: Yeah, like I I think I was fighting kind of against Scythe from the start. (laughs) So well, we should also mention. I
0: don't think we mentioned as a start. Like we have to come to consensus on all of these top game of the year so it is always a collaborative combative cooperative solo kind of experience so yeah the podcast has to make a decision depending on who we're with that year as well as as guest hosts too so all of the games uh, as consensus so yeah
1: Yeah. so if like one game's one person's number one and it's the other person's number three it might become the number one depending on what else there is we run it through an algorithm just to to oh yeah the algorithm the die we roll the die (laughs) it's 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 a very expensive die (laughs) yeah i i think for me it's tough it's a toss-up between terraforming mars or star wars rebellion which is just like a fantastic amazing experience which i had not really played much the year it came out but it got Mm -hmm. to the table a bunch in 2018 and 2019 um if it wasn't for war of the ring it probably would be that because war Mm -hmm. of the ring is still the game i'd rather play than rebellion but yeah, I guess I'll take the boring answer with Terraforming Mars, but Rebellion's pretty close.
0: I also didn't mention First Class. Uh, first Class is you build a train and yes. you put, and it's just, it's the game I love the most that's been out of print, so I do not own a copy. And I'm, I have, you know, I wake up screaming in the middle of the night of not owning this game, you know, just out of fear that it will not get reprinted. And I will not pay crazy money for it. Do not pay crazy money for it, but it is a great game. Yeah. Star Wars Rebellion, weirdly enough, even despite the fact that it was an IP that we, you and I both know and love extensively. We could do a Mm -hmm. whole podcast just on Star Wars. Right. I think that there's some level of because it's such a well-known and well-loved IP that it almost does not get the credit for being such a mechanically brilliant game. Yeah. And I love Scythe. I, again... Scythe with the Fenris expansion is outstanding. Scythe as a base game, because we're not considering expansions, I gotta say, Star Wars Rebellion, also better with its expansion, because th- it fixes some of the game mechanics as far as uh, battle. That would be my number one. It would, it would. yeah, Star Wars Rebellion.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm close. I, I'm almost with you on that. Mm-hmm. Alright, yeah, so if we had to come to consensus, it would probably be Star Wars Rebellion. Uh, Alright, 2015! Our kind of quasi choice that year because we had like a weird game of the year discussion was voyages of marco polo uh great game other games that came out that year and this was the year of like the weird legacy type stuff so oh yeah we had some oddball stuff but we had through the ages a new story of civilization kind of the remake of that pandemic legacy season one was the big thing that everybody was talking about yeah uh seven wonders duel food chain magnet
0: what is this yeah, See, I would like that game more if it had crazy, ridiculous upgrade components.
1: Oh yes, I, I want to spend four hundred dollars <laughs> for a new version of that game, please.
0: Wait, can you can you check the board? Is it up yet? It's Is
1: not it up yet. Sorry. Ah, oh, damn it! It was an estimate. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, we also have Blood Rage, Blood Rage, The Gallerist, yes. Grand Austria Hotel, Tricarion. I know were were. Love it. Code names, Time Stories, Isle of Sky, Iki. Potion Explosion, Shakespeare, and Leaving Earth.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, I mean, there's some bangers in here. Like, yeah. the, no lie. Like, you know, we mentioned the others being great, but Through the Ages, A New Story of Civilization, just, just let that sit for a while. I mean, again, the legacy mechanics and innovation there is just amazing. But Through the Ages, brother, A New Story of Civilization is just immense, amazing Civ game. Fuche Magnet that year, again, a splatter you can actually play, and his cutthroat is all get out. And then of course Blood Rage.
1: Yeah, Blood Rage. <laughs> Blood Rage.
0: <laughs> Why is that a thing? It's a thing.
1: Yeah. And then I know
0: I know you love the Gallerist. It's one of your favorite It Intel is Lasertas. my favorite
1: Lacerda. It's my number one there. Lacerda. Yep.
0: Uh Mind Soul Um Tricarion I love. The yeah. it's it's much better with the expansion, but it's 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 my favorite uh Mind Clash game. So and then and then a lot of other good games like, you know, codenames and and such. And I've I, I never got to play Shakespeare. Oh,
1: we got to play that. And, and that's out of print. It okay. is out of print, but I have it. So we got to make Ooh, that happen. Excellent. It's, excellent. It's, it's a favorite. I love it. Okay, um, My
0: you have a difference, because I know you're you, I love the Voyages of Marco Polo, but I think you have an unhealthy relationship with it.
1: <laughs> of Marco Polo. Yes. Yeah, it's it's still my, it's if it would still be my game of the year from that year. Like, this is one of those ones, like I found it at the game store that was near my work. Like, I got mm-hmm. off work and I walked over to the Complete Strategist in Manhattan and they had a copy on the shelf and I was like, oh my god, this looks great. And I bought it and brought it back and we played it at my apartment in Brooklyn. And I was immediately like, this is, this is amazing. This might be my new favorite game. And it's not my favorite game now, but for a while there I was obsessed with it. I've played it Probably a hundred times online. So Seven Wonders Duel is really close, uh, but this is still my my favorite for the year. Being
0: that this is 2015, we've had a lot of years to play these games. So, and I think uh, obviously all these games as, as we go further back. I love so many of these games. <laughs> like, yeah, so many of these games are like in my top 10, like, or around it, right? Through the Ages, Food Chain, Blood Rage, Galarist you know, Tricarion and, and and other and others and the others. But again, so many years of playing those games. It's going to be weird to say is like, the, there are other games in that year that are better, I think, but I think the voyages of Marco Polo just plays, man. It just yeah. gets table time. Like it's, it's again, it could just be a normal Euro game that just fades away. But the fact that they made a second edition up to it because it was it was so beloved and because it's a simple it's not a simple Euro game. It's a it's a Euro game and yet it is broken with your special abilities and yet it's balanced. So, yeah, Voyages of Marco Apollo would stay my number one for that year.
1: ooh it's unanimous. No changes. Mm -hmm. All right. 2014, we picked Roll for the Galaxy. Uh, Now, love it. uh, other games that came out that year, because and now we're up like almost t- ten years ago. So this is all; <laughs> these are all good games that we we enjoy. Yes, um, Star Wars Imperial Assault. I have all of it. It's great. We should play it. orleans <laughs> Five Tribes, it. Fields of Arl, Patchwork, Star Realms, Castles of Mad King Ludwig, lagranja Dead of Winter, Arcadia Quest, Imperial Settlers, Paperback, The Battle of Five Armies, and Arkwright.
0: Yeah. Again, like you like you said, all great games. N- nothing bad necessarily in here, all bangers across the board, and I have a re- I have a lot of I own a lot of these games and I own like a crazy sic- sickening level of Arcadia Quest.
1: Yeah. Uh it, it's
0: still Roll for the Galaxy for me.
1: Roll for the Galaxy is very good. Um I think paperback is probably the game I look back on the most fondly. Sure. Uh I most recently paid way too much money for the 10th anniversary edition uh and this is a game that especially back in 2014 was always out of print because they hadn't really discovered crowdfunding yet so it was just like we made 50 they're sold out we made 100 they're sold out (laughs) so you just kept hearing about it and people had copies and you're like how would they want to play that game so Paperback, uh and for a while I would say hardback was better, but I've kind of come around again. I'm like, nah, I like paperback more. um mm. I, I went on a huge Imperial Settlers kick for a long time. I still love that game. I have all the stuff, but I haven't played it as much recently. I own all the Imperial Assault stuff, but I think part of that is just the miniatures. um But paperback is a game that gets played and I love. And yeah, I think if I was going to re litigate 2014, that would be my game of the year.
0: Well, I could show you from right here the audience kit because this, this is an audio podcast, Anthony, and not. Uh, my role for the galaxy is right over there, right behind
1: me Yeah, there on, it is. The, on the desk.
0: It's it's right there, buddy.
1: Yeah. No, mine's in the basement. It lost its prime space upstairs. So oh. <laughs> unfortunately I still have it though. I do still have it
0: again. I, I think a lot of the benefits and we recently played a uh, terraforming Mars, the, the dice game. And that reminds me a lot of role for the galaxy because obviously you're rolling dice for resources and then putting planets out and exploring and shuttling resources. I still I like that better than Terraform Mars dice game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. It's it's a great game. I love it. But, yeah. Yeah. All right, and then last but not least was our first year of the show 2013.
0: What a year. We were kids. Yeah. We know what we were talking about. We were drunk on cardboard.
1: Yeah. I don't think we played a single one of these games in 2013 except no, there's at least one here we did play. Oh, we definitely yeah. Um Our game of the year uh, in that discussion was a little belated, but we talked about it like early 2014 was Caverna, the Cave Farmers, Mm -hmm. the sequel-ish to Agricola. Um, (laughs) But other games that came out that year, we had Concordia. Oh, boy. Russian Railroads, Nations, Viticulture, Rococo, Bruges, Battle or Second Edition, Skull King, Amerigo, 1775 rebellion the duke and spirium spirium i know (laughs) we played it at myriad so it's gotta be on this list
0: uh a, a lot of great games one of my favorite games one game that's in my top 10 top five depending on the year top one depending on the year depending on the year bruges i love bruges bruges is awesome a lot of these games are awesome uh and again it I my closest to my heart is Bruges. I I think if I'm going to be fair and objective, it's probably going to be Concordia because as much as I love Caverna, the cave farmers, it can be a little overly forgiving. You know, it's 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 trying to it's trying to make up for the brutalness of Agricola. So, but Concordia, again, if I have to look back, I do not own Concordia. And it's probably one of the games i played the most because it gets all the table time.
1: Yeah. Concordia is brilliant. Yeah. And it's a game like early on, I was like, this is good. And the more I've played it, I'm like, actually, this is pretty good. It's it's so, it's surprisingly
0: it's it's not surprisingly good, I mean, obviously from the designer here, but like it's amazingly good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I would put Concordia way up there. Um I, I gotta go with Spirium. It's one of those games like I think we played it. At the end of the year, beginning earlier the next year, and maybe didn't really even click for me as much how much I liked it until later. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's one of those games that if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you know I champion this game mm-hmm. constantly. Love Spirium, wish they would reprint it, give us some expansions, give it the stupid overpriced Kickstarter experience <laughs> that we're all used to. Um, I would I would spend a hundred dollars in an upgraded Spirium. I would do that.
0: You should talk to Lucky Duck Games. See if they'll do it right after. Yeah, uh, yeah. get on it. Let's do
1: after it.
0: After they make a million dollars off uh, Fuji Magnet.
1: Oh Yeah, they're going to do that.
0: I mean, and I'll, I'll, here, Bruges came out with a new edition. We just talked about the Feld City Collection. Sure. I love Bruges so much that I was willing to pay a ridiculous amount of money for a newer variation on that. It is not as good. It is yeah. not. <laughs> the original Bruges game is better. The other one is just blah like it's just more it's just it's it's it hurts me that it just hurts it just hurts man but concordia i love bruges but concordia was just i mean it's it's and again the expansions have been amazing too over the years it's hit after hit after hit so yeah anthony 10 years of games so i some changes some say the same again we haven't litigated all of this is what happens behind the scenes so like after we come out with them then we have to fight so yeah, Right. <laughs> yeah. Several dice rolls, rock paper scissors, negotiations and ambassadors kind of trade so so forth and so on and yeah, diplomatic envoys and things like that. We haven't done that kind of math, but hopefully that gives you a sense of our last 10, the best games of the year. So many really good years, man. 10 good years.
1: Amazing. Yeah. yeah yes it's, it's, it's always fun to look back at these and like, wow, those all came out the same year. No wonder I'm broke. <laughs> well, considering
0: those were back in the days When you could actually afford to purchase games yeah, Instead of, true. like, own, like, a game That is, like, a million dollars So, do, do we have a number yet, Anthony? No, all right uh, All right yeah. Well, until we get the number Of what Fuche Mag did The Lucky Ducks edition of course This is Chris
1: And this is Anthony
0: And we'll save you all A you at the table Take care, everyone Bye See ya.